Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Do you feel like you're stuck in a rut in life or in a dead-end job with no progression? I'm Jerry Dugan, and welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that offers you the motivation, inspiration, and practical tools to help you build a life worth living. Join me as I share encouraging stories and actionable advice on how to get out of your rut in life and create a vision for your future. Life is just too short to live stuck in a rut. Here we go. Hey, Rudder Nation. You know, one of the downfalls that men experience is that we've been told pretty much our whole lives that our masculinity is tied in with our achievements at the office or in our career, that we've got to pursue excellence. We've got to win at work. But what if that winning at work cost you the family relationships that mattered the most. I'm going to be joined by Alan Dumonceau. He is a former culinary Olympian. Yes, I said that culinary Olympian. So this is a guy who cooked in competitions as well as restaurants. Now he was really good at what he did. He probably still is good at cooking. I mean, it's kind of like riding a bicycle, right? Now he was so good at it though. And he was so competitive that his professional success took him away from really making his first marriage work. And he wound up seeing his first marriage fall apart in divorce. Now, fast forward years and years and years later, he is the founder of The Awakened Man and the host of the Revolutionary Man podcast, where he's on a mission to fortify families and help us master our masculinity. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about mentorship, the impact of pride, and the promise of living a legacy worth having by rediscovering our life's mission. So sit back, relax, grab a notebook and a pen, because this is one of those short and sweet and lots of content and lots of nuggets kind of episode. Here we go. All right. Hey, Alan, thanks for joining me on Beyond the Rut. How are you doing? Doing great, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Same here. I mean, we you had me on your show, the Revolutionary Man podcast, Many moons ago, many months ago, for those who are like, many moons? Who talks like that? I do. I'm a dork. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was like, I need to have you, Alan, on my show. And the soonest we were able to get you on is like months later. And I'm like, I'll take it. So I'm glad that we we're able to join and, and talk about uh, your message uh, and your life a little bit to help inspire folks to create their own lives they feel are worth living in their faith, family, and career. So yeah. Um, so with that, oh, now you're calling in from Canada. What part of Canada are you calling in from? Yeah, I'm here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. So Winnipeg is right above North Dakota for those of your those of you that are in the U.S. So we're pretty much in the center of the uh, of the continent, you know. And so uh, yeah, it's great up here. We get the widest uh, range of temperatures. We can be the hottest place in North America, and we can also be the coldest. And so uh, it's pretty cold up here, man. It's funny that you brought up it could be the hottest place because I'm in Texas and we usually think we're the hottest place everywhere. And that's not true. There are hotter places. But <laughs> but you don't think of Canada as being a warm spot until it yeah. is. And you're like, oh, it is hot. And, yeah. And you all have mosquitoes too, right? Oh, yeah. That's our uh, that's our provincial bird, as we like to tease. <laughs> and, that's, and also uh, lots, of, uh, lots of gators, we call them up here. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, they just suck the life out of you. 
Ah, uh, exactly. In a literal way, right? <laughs> uh, now, one of the things that I, I saw in your bio that uh, really piqued my curiosity is that you, you mentioned that you have like three decades of exposure or experience with something called the Culinary Olympics. Yeah. Like, that sounds like it's competitive and the food is involved. I have no idea what it is, but I'm going to ask Alan about it. So tell us about those highs and lows that you experienced with the Culinary Olympics. What are they? And and yeah, what was your experience like with them? Yeah, you know, what a great question. And, you know, this is, you got to think back, like I competed in the culinary World Culinary Olympics in the early 90s. So 92 is the year that I went and the uh, Culinary Olympics follows in the same calendar or the same uh, cadence as the Summer Olympics, right? So every every four years. And what this is, this is, we got to remember, this is long before there was cable TV, there was, uh, you know, Iron Chef, Bobby Flay, all that stuff that we're just what? used to seeing today, right? So back then, all this didn't exist. And so uh, what it is, is, is it, it is a competition. It's competition for nations as well as regional teams. I competed on a regional team through my province here in Manitoba. And what you're competing against is you're competing against not only yourself, but also with other with other chefs. And so from a national perspective, the uh, actually Canada had won four, three or four consecutive uh, Olympics in a row. We're the top oh. team in the world. And uh, we have some really amazing uh, chefs here and lots of, uh, and actually the one gentleman that won on Team Canada two years in a row is a, is a master chef here in the city where I grew up, uh, where I grew up in my professional career. And so I got such great exposure about this. And so really what it is, is it's a hot food competition. So something like you would see today with Iron Chef, although it isn't about making food in, uh, you know, you got an hour to get it done. While they got to do that, they still graded on the same type of thing you would see today with taste, presentation, skill, work, skill. Uh, but it was also on how many tickets you sold. So in that Olympics, there regular everyday folks can buy a ticket to come to the show. And if you sell out fast, you know, or sell in a certain period of time, then you get a little extra bonus points. And, and then, uh, and then you're, and you're graded on it. In my competition, we just competed with, there was five of us. We competed in a cold food competition. So imagine you were going to do a dinner for, so I did a dinner for eight and a dinner and a, and platters for eight. So imagine that I would have served this food hot, but it's all presented cold. And so we do this thing called aspect that goes on it. It makes it look nice and shiny and bright and really, really uh, beautiful work. And then you're, you're judged on with a, a set of judges on, on the composition of your, of your work, your skill, oh. the workmanship in order to put it on it. And unlike the Olympics where there's one medal for us, one silver, one gold, one bronze, you really scored in a range. And if you score within a certain range, then you achieve a medal. Well, I was blessed to win two silver medals or my two showpieces in that year. And, you know, what I really learned from that is I really learned that, you know, the amount of effort and time that it takes to really create something. And it taught me how to, you know, the old Stephen Covey idea of begin with the end in mind. Yeah. What were the steps I needed to put in place in order to achieve? We knew, I know what the what the competition date was. We know what the time was. And you had to be, you had a certain time to have your food out on the tables. And if you were late, you'd be disqualified. So really? there was no fooling around in terms of, hey, I'll get it there when I get it there. But you start to, you start to learn some skills on how to, some project management skills, although we didn't call it back then in the early 90s. But really, that's what it was all about and how to set yourself up for success in order for you to be able to to do things and 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 present products so i've had such a great experience with that and and some mentors i 
some real key mentors early in my professional career to help me guide me on going through some of those tough times. Because let's face it, there will be anything you're going to do in life is going to have the the valleys and the and the highs. And it's how we survive and how we manage through our valleys is really determines the the type of individual we become and the success we'll see in life. I, I love that you brought up the uh, the notion and the, the need to think about the end in mind. So what does a winning competition look like? That very much is a parallel in our own lives, right? If we want to live a life worth living in our faith, our family and career, what does that look like when we're at the end of life? Is it a little morbid to think that way? Probably. I mean, I was in the army, so <laughs> everything uh, was thought up in terms of, all right, leader so-and-so, um, how, what's your vision for after you get blown up on the battlefield? You're like, huh? <laughs> like, wait, I, I don't think that's the plan. You know, but it's like insurance in case it happens. Yeah. What's the insurance that your team is going to pick up the mission and continue and survive and all those things. And, uh, but also what does a successful mission look like? And you start planning around those things and, and same thing, like a life well lived. What does that look like? And, and so I'm glad you, you brought that up. That's so important guys that, you know, what does your life look like when you're on your deathbed? Let's say you get to live in your hundreds, uh, because I think I saw an article. If you were born after a certain year, chances are you're going to be around 141 years old when you die um, because of the advancements in medicine happening right now. And uh, I was like, wow, okay, I, I might make it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was at the cutoff for this study. And I'm like, I, I could go the other way and die in my 80s or 70s. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what does that life well lived look like? You know, and, and that's really cool that you brought that up. Um, now at some point in your career and in your life, you, you said you had lost it all almost mm. twice. Um, tell us what happened there if, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, at the pinnacle of my professional career in the early nineties there, having just recently come from, from the winning the culinary two silvers, the culinary Olympics, my personal life was in shambles. And the reason is, and I had, at the time I had married my high school sweetheart and you know, when we'd made, you know, we were really young. I was in, in my early to mid twenties and we made some, some decisions in life that financially weren't, weren't the wisest things to do. There was uh, there was infidelity in the relationship that ended up by really putting cha- uh, stress on us. And when I came back and came back from uh, the Olympics within a year to two years, we uh, the relationship was over. It was done. And I ended up by losing it all. I had to claim bankruptcy. I lost my home, my family, and I had this in such a state of depression that I actually hardly saw my kids for almost a year. Wow. And so the challenge with that was that, you know, you don't, what I, le- what I really learned from that experience was that we can be so successful in one aspect of one area of our life and so focused on it. And while that takes, it does take focus in order to become successful, but at what cost? And I think where we find now, what I, what I recognize now is that the while that's important to be successful and I'd, and I enjoy having success in my life, but how do I measure it? And so now today, instead of just looking at it, and men as men, we're pretty compartmentalized, right? We can slice things pretty, you know, and have their own little space. But today, the work is more about integrating all aspects of life. And so, fast forward twenty five years from uh, almost twenty years from there, and uh, you know, married again, beautiful woman, you know, supports me greatly, and. But while I had learned a bunch of things in my early 20s and started reading books and autobiographies and taking classes and learning, you know, mental stuff, neuro stuff, getting understanding, it's, it was here. While I was an intellectual piece, I never really learned it in my heart. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to learn it and embody it. So what I mean by that is really practicing what it is that I was learning. Yeah. I could recite to you the steps of things and I could do 
the the application, but I didn't feel it enacted in my heart. And so I almost ended up by losing my second marriage. And it was through the grace of my wife that saw the man in me that I was yet to become. It gave me an opportunity to do the work. Now, that's a key point that I'd like everyone to really pick up on. She gave me the opportunity to do the work. Not all of us are going to be blessed with that. And if you are blessed with that opportunity, man, you got to take it. You got to take it. And so it's about leaning into then leaning into what you need to change. And so I was given that opportunity to do that work. And had I not done the work, I can say honestly that we wouldn't probably be doing this interview today. Yeah. And I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have my home and I'd be telling a two times story. But instead, the story is one of redemption, one of opportunity, of growth that, you know, that rut in my life was I just didn't recognize what I was doing in my life and how it was impacting, how I was seeing my wife, how I was seeing my relationship. Again, falling into the traps of work was all all that it needed to, was everything about me. And there's so much more as men that, that we are than just our work, but we tend to identify ourselves so much with what we do for a living instead of who we are becoming as men. And so yeah. it was really those two pieces that started to shift and change who I am today and that and the work that I'm doing. Yeah. And a lot of times when we're focused on work, uh, especially if it's bringing home the bacon in a sense, the, the, the big paycheck, is we think we're expressing love by providing for the family, that it's my duty to provide, I'm providing. And that's how I show my love to the family. And it's like you'd said, uh, you know, could be successful in one compartment of your life, in this case, work, but miss out on the relationship piece with your spouse, uh, the connection piece with your children, uh, the physical part with your own fitness. I, that's something I run into from time to time. Uh, that's a nice roller coaster of life for me. Uh, so, uh, it, yeah, very important to look at every aspect of your life. I, mean, I got to talk about that on your show. Um, so, a little shout out plug for. Uh, you know, the revolutionary man there, uh, you get, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes, guys. Don't worry. Don't, don't <laughs> leave right now. We're still talking to Alan. Uh, so, it, so I'm glad you brought that up, that, that whole importance of looking at the whole person, the whole you. The other thing you brought up that's very key was the, where your, your wife was forgiving and patient to give you that space and create that space where you could grow and, and work on yourself. How much would you say pride played a role in that recovery versus uh, vulnerability? What a great question. Wow, Jerry. Man, that just, you know, right between the eyes. Yeah, I was thinking, you know what? what would I be struggling with if I was in those shoes? Yeah, <laughs> and I have man. been in those shoes from time to time. And so it's like, huh, people need to hear this. So, yeah. You know what? I, truth be told, lots of pride. I don't think I could, I don't think I could be authentic by saying, ah, there was no pride in that. There was lots of pride. Here I am. You know, at the time, you know, getting, uh, you know, early, uh, late 40s, here's an opportunity for me to to really show who I am as an individual. So we need to have pride. And I think sometimes we feel that, you know, I, I'll say we, but it's the royal we. It's 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 actually me. I think that pride is a, is a bad thing. Pride isn't a bad thing. How we express it maybe at times may not be, it could be done better. But I think we utilize that. So I would say that in the beginning, for sure, there was lots of pride and there's still some today, but it isn't the most important piece. The most important part of it is this, is the second part. And that was about being able to do that work, knowing that, that even though times were really tough for us, that there was a, there was this piece of hope that as long as I did the work, as long as we were open enough to have some communication and to talk some things through and work through some stuff that time would give us the opportunity to grow and change. And so 
it's you know that pride piece is there and i think i think when we use it in it to as an advantage it's great it's a great motivator yeah and uh as long as we keep that in check i think we're, we can be okay yeah i love that uh because it wasn't the exact answer i was expecting it's like wow pride leveraged in a good way because i was thinking of pride as i'm the man ah this is what it means to be a strong man Dur, dur, dur. <laughs> like yeah. I've been that guy. So I knew like, like how am I still married 21 years later? Because uh, my wife was patient for me to get past that moment to realize there are other things like, and what you bring up is that other piece of that pride. Um, one thing that I, I know for myself that I pride myself on is uh, being a husband who cherishes his wife. Mm-hmm. And it's like, am I that guy right now? Uh, no. And then it's like the next piece being vulnerable to do the work, to be the guy that does cherish his wife, who does support the the needs of the family and be connected. And it's like, that's what I can be proud of. That's who I want to be. That's who I am. This other guy that came out a few hours ago. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for being with me. And I'm glad you brought that up because we do have to face that. And then I love that. Leveraging the pride for the positives of who we are and want to become. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, and and then you, and, and great point on utilizing the vulnerability aspect of us so that when we can... You know, we're, when pride goes runs uh, runs uh, wild on us, it's because we we forget we're we're like a thoroughbred. You know, we're we're secretariat here, and we've got the blinders on, yeah. and we're going for that that finish line. But when we can just take a breath and then and allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to come up, just as you said, and say, "Man, I'm like I'm really sorry," or be willing to hear from our children or our, our spouses that you know, Al, you were really being uh, difficult. And I don't, li- I don't really like you that much right now. I love you, but I don't like you very much right now. And it's okay for us to hear that because I think as guys, we need to recognize that we are imperfect and that it is a work in, process, in progress, right? It's progress over perfection. We, we, when we come from that standpoint, instead of being the, you know, that prideful man of that, I know, I know the right way, you know, it may not always work. And it's about being able to, to allow ourselves the ability to, you know, empty, empty can create some space in our minds that maybe there's a different way of getting this thing done. And so I, I liked how, uh, how you put that together with the with the vulnerability piece. Yeah, oh, you inspired it. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, at some point, you, you rediscovered your life's mission and you kind of went on this hero's quest. And I think in my notes or your notes to me, you kind of made this mention of Return of the King. I don't know if you met Lord of the Rings, the third volume, or, or if you met like <laughs> in a spiritual sense, the return of Jesus, but I'm like, I like it. Uh, but tell us about, yeah, you know, how do we re- rediscover our life's mission and, and apply this hero's quest in doing that? Right on. Great question. Yeah. I, t- I, u- I use that. It's a great, uh, the, the return of the King 
actually conjures up both of those images, doesn't it? Yeah. And really what it says to me is really about that king within us. And it's about coming back and understanding about what is our mission on in in life and for us to do. And so part of that work is really unpacking and understanding what are the values that we have today that we that are are that we carry today and are they still serving us? Because I my experience is that we still carry values uh, with us that aren't necessarily serving us today. And how we and so what I do is I take guys through a process of and a value uh, a value assessment that gets them to come up with five ultimately five core values that they that they govern their lives on. And then what I ask them to do is to write a, a brief statement on on what that is. And when they write that statement, the op- the idea is is to see how they're embodying and living that. Are you living that value that statement from your heart, or is it just an intellectual exercise? Because that was my experience. I could do that, but it was an intellectual experience. I wasn't really living it inside of who I am as a as a person. And so when you start doing that, well, then the next thing gets revealed to us is that we start to realize that we've got some some limiting beliefs around what we think our values are and how we're expressing ourselves in the world. And so we start to unpack those and and look at what are the sabotaging and limiting beliefs. You know, and the typical ones that we have as men that we're that we just don't measure up, that I'm not good enough, right? Especially if we're very career oriented, you know, that uh, the, that I'm not worthy. That, you know, uh, many of us have struggled with that. That's one, you know, uh, one for me. The limiting beliefs and the stories I tell myself about, like this morning, you know, I went to the gym, but it was really challenging to to. I wanted to stay in bed this morning, to be honest with you, Jerry. I wasn't really interested in going to the gym. I did stay in bed this morning, so. <laughs> It, but that belief, that story that we tell ourselves, right? And so we start to, uh, you know, help guys unpack what is the story that we're telling ourselves, and how are we self-sabotaging? And when we start to do that, ultimately, I take them through this this journey, and then we take them through a, a, a ultimately a, vi- a vision a visioning quest, an opportunity, and it's a set a set of questions that I get them to answer to themselves about what it is that that uh, they ultimately wish to become and aspire to become as men. And in the end, ultimately, the really what the return of the king is is, is crafting a per, a personal mission statement. What it is that that drives you and opens your heart every day that makes you want to step up and do things. And you know, I ask guys to make sure that it touches. Doesn't have to spell out the six pill the six pillars of life, but that they touch on it. So it touches on financial, emotional, physical, spiritual, professional, and in our relationships. What is the kind of man that I want to become? And when we can then craft that we have we have our target our mission as a as a ex-military guy i'm sure you can appreciate when you know what your target is and your mission it's much easier to execute versus being being just living every day on a go to day-by-day basis and not really paying attention to what's going on so that was really the concept behind it i wanted to help guys get solid in who they are as as men and then craft their mission their mission purpose statement that allows them to live and get up each day i love that and it goes back to the thing you talked about way back in your days in uh, the Culinary Olympics, where you would think about the end in mind. It's kind of the same thing. You know, the mission is, this is what I want to do in life. This is how I want to live it and all those things. And it it's casting, in a sense, the, the line, this is what I'm going to follow. This is the path I'm going. And it's a very intentional course of action as opposed to life happens to me. So there's like this sense of responsibility that comes into it. Uh, there's a sense of ownership because it's coming from them. Yeah. And they're like, this is my life. This is how I'm going to connect with everybody. And I, I love that. I think men 
We need that a lot. And um, now, the, like the really cool thing is taking those stories of self sabotage and turning them into uh, stories of the king's return. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and and crafting that mission and those co- based on those core values, uh, and that is huge, guys. You, you got to do this um, now. If people want to reach out to you and get more of this, I know there's the podcast, the Revolutionary Man podcast, uh, and then your website's theawakenedman.net. What can folks expect to find when they go to your website, theawakenedman.net? Absolutely. There's two things you're going to find there. Right at the very top of the page, you're going to see a little red button. That red button is a clarity consultation. I highly encourage everyone you just want to get a little bit of more information, find out what we're all about, hit that button. I know it says it's 30 minutes. Most of the time we're there for about an hour because uh, I really like to get into understanding people, but I would I would encourage them to do that. We offer two programs here at The Awakened Man. The worst program is a group mentorship program. It's our band of brothers. We meet monthly. We have monthly topics. You know, this month we're talking about, you know, fatherhood and healing the father wound, whatever that looks like for each other. And so we deal in it. We're going to talk about that and how that how that helps. And then also, if, if you're interested in that or you want to dive in a little bit deeper and you really want to get onto your own Hero's Quest, and that's exactly what the program's called, is a Hero's Quest. And that's a 90-day program where we're going to really dive into and unpack your everything from your values, your limiting beliefs, all the things that really make you tick. We're going to, we're going to crack open, as I like to say, that walnut. We're going to play around a little bit in there and we're going to help you get centered and straight and with and give you an opportunity to go through an integrity challenge, which really is how you're showing up in the six pillars of life. And uh, and so those are the two primary programs, but I really encourage everyone to hit that that clarity session button, get an opportunity to talk a little bit about it. Maybe we're a fit for you, maybe we're not. There's lots of programs out there, but you know, it's an opportunity to get a sense of what it is, that, where you're going. And if I can leave you with a piece of uh, you know, some uh, gold nugget or two, even on that clarity consultation that I think I've done my job to, to serve in this world. Awesome. And then before we go, uh, any final words of wisdom for those listening in right now? Yeah. The one piece I would say is men don't take anything in life for granted, especially not your family and your, and your spouse be intentional every morning. What is the kind of man that you want to be? And so I leave you with this, complete this sentence every morning and I guarantee you your life will change forever. I'm the kind of man who whatever you put after that will be the type of man that you will show up that day. I love that. Al, I'm glad we got to reconnect again. Um, This was a great conversation. Nice, short, sweet. Dudes, you're going to get a lot out of this. Uh, Share it with your friends and family. Uh, Al, great to see you again. And if I make it up there to Manitoba for some good camping, I'll, I'll have to look you up as well. Looking forward to seeing you, my friend. Take care. Wow. Hey, I enjoyed talking to Alan. I think, and I hope, you also got a lot out of that conversation. If you want to get more resources, like how do you get uh, his list of books, 30 books every man should read, as well as uh, a free strategy call about rediscovering what your mission is and maybe even tapping into that that collective that he has going on where men are mentoring each other. Check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 386. There you'll find all that information about Alan, his website, those resources, as well as related episodes on Beyond the Rut that relate to positive masculinity of living a life as a father, a husband, a community member, and all those good things. Now, I'm glad you joined me for this episode, and I look forward to joining you again on the next one. But until next time, Go live life beyond the rut. Take care.
You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.